I was a little worried, Ann, I was going to have to get the shepherd's crook out on you. I'm just, I'm just blessed. Here we are in, uh, in Beulah, Idaho, and God's doing some great things, and, and he's moving in some people's hearts. And I don't want anybody to discount the fact that God's calling him because you think, well, then he's got to call me to Romania or Malawi, Africa, or, or over to Scotland, or maybe into Iquitos, Peru. Um, the Lord may call you to those places. Every one of us in this building who's given their life to Christ is called someplace to do something. Nobody is called just to sit. Everyone is called to serve, to meet a need that God has. And as we look at Acts chapter 15, as we, uh, as we close out that chapter this morning, I just want to invite you as, as you uh, follow along with me to see what it is that the Lord had going on. Occasionally, I know this will be shocking to you, there can be disagreements within the body of Christ. I know that's news to you guys. Let's take a look and we'll see. In verse 36 it says, And after some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him John called Mark. But Paul insisted they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to do the work. And the contention became so sharp they parted from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, a son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. And Paul wanted to have him to go with him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region. For they all knew that his father was Greek. And they went through the cities and delivered them to the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask you would uh, just open our eyes and our hearts. Lord God, open our ears to the truth of your word. Lord, that we may apply, God, what you have for us this morning. Lord, we pray that you would just move in a mighty way as we seek to uh, just be led by your word, your perfect word, God. We just lay this time in your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every time we come to this particular section in Scripture, people worry about who's right and who's wrong. I'm going to make it real easy for you guys. I'll just tell you. They're both wrong um, because they're fighting. And the disagreement was sharp. That means they both said things that they shouldn't have said. Did things they shouldn't have done. Uh, any of you guys ever had a disagreement like that? It's not just Paul and Barnabas, is it? Now, I bet most of us at one time or another have had similar situations in our life. It's just a part of who we are. It's human nature that brings those things sometimes out. And sometimes we can use those things to derail what's going on. 
So here's what I want to say to you guys, especially as we're considering being mission-minded. The true test of a missionary, someone called by God, is not what will get them started. It's what will stop them. What will you let stop you? Will you let raising five years funds stop you? Will you let what that person said out of uh, ignorance or because they were upset, will you let that stop you from doing what God wants you to do? Maybe God's calling you to, to serve some way here, but the person in charge of that particular ministry is not easy to get along with. Will you let that stop you? Because I don't think the calling of God changes because he calls you sometimes to work with difficult people. Will you let your fear stop you? What will you let stop you? You know what I love about Paul and Barnabas? And uh, David alluded to the scripture in Acts 20, 24. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I might finish my race with joy. Paul said, I don't care what happens. I am not going to stop. Barnabas said, I don't care what happens. I am not going to stop. What did they do? Did they quit? They even went to the same church still. Do you know that? Yeah. And you know that they buried the hatchet later? If you don't believe me, 1 Corinthians 9.6 is after this split. Paul is talking to the church at Corinth about supporting the missionaries who are out doing a work. And he says that the church at Corinth should be willing to support both Paul and Barnabas. Isn't that interesting? Because that's what we do as brothers, right? We may have a problem and we may have issues, but the scripture definitely tells us and calls us to work out those issues, doesn't it? We don't get to just be mad forever. We're supposed to forgive one another. And that's even if they don't ask, by the way. You are supposed to forgive. And to not let the difficulties in ministry or in ministering rob you of the blessing. You, you hear Anne talking. You hear Anne's heart. And she can't even talk without crying. Um, so you understand what that is. That is the Holy Spirit working in her heart. And it's just overflow is there. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit works in your life, you weep and you can't control it. Sometimes you, there's other things that, that may occur. But what that shows is a call, a strong call in her life. I got to go. I'm supposed to be there. Isn't that a blessing to know who you are? Did you, do you not think that that would, would be something that would make you so ecstatic, so happy? So full of passion. It's important to know who you are. And knowing who you are is directly tied to knowing your call. What are you called to? Sometimes we think that the calling of God is somehow top secret. And God doesn't want you to know. But listen, God very definitely wants you to know. Let me tell you, every calling that God will put on anyone's life all goes back to Matthew. Matthew said... Jesus, as he was being ascended, said, Go into all the nations and make disciples of all men. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them the things that I command you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's 
a calling from Christ. Whatever he calls us to, if he's put a burden on your heart to reach out to the homeless, it'll be for that purpose. If he puts a burden on your heart to reach out to children, it'll be for that purpose. If he puts a burden on your heart to, to minister in music, as Jeff and Donna do, it'll be for that purpose, to make disciples. It's not just to sing a song. It's to minister to hearts. My first time I met Jeff and Donna was at a revival in Wendell. I think it's been two, maybe three years ago. And watching uh, them minister in music and ministering through the word and watching people come up and get saved. That's what it's all about. That's what it's about in the nursery. That's what it's about in children's ministry. That's what it's about. If you're, uh, you know, I love uh, Butch Quigley. Butch Quigley is such a blessing in my life. Let me tell you why. I'm sitting outside. I think I was outside doing something. I might have been spraying weeds or something. And, and uh, I, I, like David, maybe I'm not the most uh, gifted person in terms of fixing things. If any of you wonder why, just walk out the door and look at the door out there. Because everybody says the same thing. What is that? I'm fixing it. What do you think of the job so far? <laughs> Butch, Butch sees me outside and he comes up and he goes, You know, Jack, I've been driving by a few times and I really like to serve. And I really like this. The Lord's placed on my heart. I want to do something. So I want to come and take care of the grounds. Is that okay with you? No, Butch, it's not okay. I want to be the one to pull the weeds here. <laughs> I want to be the one who trims the trees. I want to, yeah. Butch, knock yourself out, brother. <laughs> and so he does. Hey, church grounds look great. They look great because a man is fulfilling a call. For what purpose? So that we can make disciples. How can that have anything to do with disciples? I don't know, but God does. Whatever gift or calling He lays on your heart is for that purpose. For that opportunity. For those things. And as we, as we look for those opportunities, we want to, what I love about this story, guys, is, is you got Mark. Look what it says. <clears throat> you got Mark. It says in verse uh, uh, 37, Now Barnabas was determined to take him with them. John Mark. John Mark departed. He deserted him in the first missionary journey. In fact, Paul said in verse 38, that they should not take the one who had departed. That exact same word is used in 1 Timothy 4.10. That exact same word is used of Demas. The Bible says, uh, Paul writing to Timothy says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. Demas, who was one who worked with Paul for a while. But, remember I told you the test of the missionary is not what gets them started, it's what stops them. And some desire in the world stopped Demas and Demas bailed. Same word used of John Mark. But Barnabas, John Mark was his, was his cousin. John Mark was a relation. John Mark, he saw something in John Mark. And he said, I don't want to give up on him. I want to bring him. And Paul says, no, he's just going to quit again. He's just going to give up. And they had this sharp disagreement. Have any of you ever had a Barnabas in your life and when everybody else thought that there was nothing else you could do, somebody stood by you? That's a pretty powerful person to have in your life, don't you think? I think it's pretty powerful. I, I have experienced it in my life and a number of times and a number of ways. People should have gave up on me long ago. But at just the right time, Barnabas would stick up, stick up his head and say, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying to work it out. We have a pastor at, at Joshua Strings. Strings? 
It's all right. It'll be okay, Jackie. Slow down. We have a pastor at Joshua Springs we call Pastor Rambo. Pastor Rambo had a very specific job. His name's actually Pastor Bob. When I first started coming, when I was going to Bible college at Joshua Springs, Pastor Rambo taught Taekwondo to, to kids when they came. He was, at the time I came, I don't know, he is as old as the hills. So uh, I don't I have no idea how old he was when I got there. And he'll never hear this, so I can say whatever I want. Unless Doug and Julie tell him. So. <clears throat> He's an old fella, but he could still kick you on the left ear. And before you could ask what that was for, he could kick you on the right ear. So he's Pastor Rambo. Pastor Rambo, you think you never need a Pastor Rambo? Trust me. There are times when you need a Pastor Rambo. When somebody is disrupting a service or causing havoc, and you send Pastor Rambo. Now, Pastor Rambo never kicked anybody in the head. It was just the thought that he could. <laughs> so when Pastor Rambo come up and put his hand on your shoulder and said, Excuse me, we need to go outside. You're disrupting the service. People would go. It was a kind of a cool guy to have around. He had a couple of kids, and when his kids were little, they, they came over to my house. We played music together, did some things. I was I was old older than his kids, so there was a brief period of time when I was cool. And so when I was cool, they would they would play music with me, and then when that passed, they went on and ultimately one of the kids is it was in Chicago, uh, still is in Chicago and ministering. And then his oldest son was there, and, and I was trying to reach out to his oldest son, and Pastor Bob was there. And, and uh, I don't have you ever tried to be funny and it didn't come off funny? Yeah, isn't that a drag when it happens? So I'm trying to reach out to his kid, and so I start poking a little fun at him, and, and I'm a, I hit a nerve somewhere. And uh, I didn't know it. I thought everything was cool. When the next day, Pastor Rambo said, Jackie, we need to talk. And I think it's because we need to go get somebody. You know, so sure, Pastor Bob, what do you need? And about that time, his neck started to turn red, which always happened when he was mad. And I'm thinking, man, the dude who ticked off Pastor Bob is close. <laughs> and then he started looking at me with them crazy eyes. And I thought, oh, it's me. So Pastor Bob was bummed at some things I said to his son. Sometimes you have discord and disagreement. So I apologized so I didn't get kicked. And I went and made things right with his boy. We still have a great relationship today. Still are blessed by it. How we work things out. Maybe Pastor Bob would have wrote me off then for for. The, the deal with his kid, but he didn't. He didn't give up on me. He kept me around. And eventually, God brings you to a place, gives you more responsibilities. It doesn't mean you don't mess up anymore. It just means when you mess up, more people see it. And But you're still always on this journey toward fulfilling your call. Being who God wants you to be. And I think it's important for us to ask ourselves, what's going to stop me? Barnabas took Mark and he went to Cyprus. That's the place that Barnabas grew up in. It was a very Jewish city, anti-Roman. Paul took Silas and they went to the churches throughout the region of Galatia. And that was a very Roman, pro-Roman area. And both 
Paul and Silas were Roman citizens. That's going to play a, a part when we get on another chapter. Because they come to a place called Philippi. You guys remember Philippi? You remember the two guys they put into prison in Philippi? They beat them publicly and put them in prison. Their names were Paul and Silas. And it wasn't okay that they beat them because they were Roman citizens. That opened up doors of ministry. God was working through it all. God was working. What's going to stop you? Disappointment in the ministry? Struggle with people? Not getting along with everyone? Those kind of things happen. These guys both still went anyway. They still went and served and strengthened the churches. In chapter 16, verse 1, it says, as we, as we focus now on Paul and Silas, it says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and there was a certain disciple there named Timothy. He's the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. We're going to see that this guy becomes a right hand of, of Paul. In fact, the, the very next, it says it was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra, but Paul wanted to have him go on with him. Paul wanted him with him. The word is para in the Greek. It means Paul wanted Timothy beside him. The teaching concept in a Hebrew mind was not sit in a classroom and let me tell you all these things. The Hebrew teaching concept was come and let's go do it. Let's go be a part of these things. Let's go see how this works. And I was so thankful on the day when Pastor Gerald let me be his Timothy for a period of time. He brought me alongside. He showed me how to go do hospital visits. He showed me how to minister to people. He showed me how to do all those things until the day came, just like it came for Paul and Timothy for Pastor Gerald to punt me and say, it's time to go. It's time to go. Jackie, where's God calling you? And the Lord was calling me to Idaho. I never doubted it for a second. The first day I heard about it, Kathy and I were preparing to go. What was going to stop me from coming? Well, nothing except unless you guys all said, no, go away. But you didn't. My grandbabies being born didn't stop me. I'm not going to run away. Every time I go on vacation, everybody gets nervous. Oh, you're stuck with me unless you kick me out. I ain't going any place. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I am not going. God has called me here to make disciples. So I find a Timothy. I just found out today he's afraid of marshmallows. Can you believe that? And people say, what in the world is he doing with Jason and bringing Jason on. What is that all about? He's my Timothy. He's going to learn what to do and what not to do by following me. One day I'm going to punt him. And I'm going to say, it's time to go. Where's God calling you? And I'm going to take another one. And another one. And four or five at a time if I can. Whatever we can do to raise up a generation of men and women who are ready to go and be used. But that's not just my call. It's not just Paul's call. Who can be your Timothy? What ministry are you a part of? Are you ministering with the kids? Are you looking around all the time for somebody who's got that gift, who's got that 
that you can bring alongside and say, there's my Timothy, come along with me. Come with me, I'll do it with you. If you minister in music, or you're constantly looking for somebody who's gifted in, in music to say, come alongside, come with me, let me teach you, let me show you, let me, you can be my Timothy. It's all our job. We don't all have the same gift or the same calling, but we all have the same concept to make what? Disciples, right? To say, where's my niche? Where do I fit? How do I bring somebody alongside with me? How do I impart some of my, my, my feeling, my call, my desire? How do I impart those things? How do I give those things out? I can't sit down and teach you about it. I just got to say, come on, let's go. Let's go do it. Let's go be about whatever it is that God is directing us to. What's the qualifications of a, of a Timothy? Look in the, in the first couple verses we see him. First it says, you have a disciple. He's a disciple. What's that mean? That means he has a, a, a strong relationship with the Lord. He's a believer. He's a believer. He, he, wants, to, he wants to learn. He wants to grow. What's, what's needed to be a Timothy? You've got to want to grow. You got to want to learn. Nobody can fill up a full cup. It don't matter how much you try. You cannot fill a full cup. You ever tried to fill a full cup in your life? Somebody come alongside who already knows everything and you try to help them? Can you help them? No. They're already full. You can't put nothing else in them. Sometimes coaching football, I have kids who have a full cup. And we sit down and I say, okay, here's what we need to do. First off, a ball's going to the left. You want to leave with your left step. You want to step six inch step. Your second step needs to follow right behind that. So that you're ready, preloaded to deliver to coach. That doesn't really work for me. What really works for me is to take a real big giant step. Oh, your cup's full. All right. Knock yourself out. When they finish three or four years of playing football, I wonder why nothing ever happened. Maybe your cup was full. Here's how you do a rip, coach. I don't really need to do a rip. I'm more of a swim guy. Oh, you're full. Cool. Knock yourself out, but you can't pour into them. You can only pour into those who want to receive, who are hungry, who are wanting to learn. And that was the first thing we see about Timothy. Second thing we see about him is he was well-spoken and had good reputation of the, of the other believers. He had a good reputation being a good guy, stand-up guy. He was, he was there. He was known in the hometown, it says. He was known not only at Lystra, which is where he was from, but in Iconium, which is 20 miles away. The people knew of him. They, they heard of him. He was, he was doing the work. He was about it. The people within the body of Christ had heard of him. And he was, he was there. had a good testimony. Then, you got to be willing. Verse 3, Paul wanted to take him with him. Paul wanted to take him with him. Timothy could have said no, but he was willing. Step 4, he was adaptable. You want to know what's going to stop you from being a missionary? This would have stopped a lot of people. Timothy, got to get circumcised, brother. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> Timothy is, gosh, I don't know, mid-20s, late-20s. Too late, that ship has sailed. You go to the doctor, not too many guys in their 30s are showing up saying, Hey, doc, I'd like to be circumcised. Would you do that for me? Because there's a certain amount of discomfort associated. Paul, 
wanted Timothy to be circumcised because they were primarily, everywhere they went, going to first minister with the Jews. Because Timothy had a mom who was a Jew, that meant his Jewish heritage followed him, so the people would expect him to be a good Jew. And if he wasn't, he was an anathema, and no Jew would ever listen, nor would he be allowed in any synagogue. And because that was a part of the ministry that they were doing, not so that he could be saved, but so that he could be effective, Paul said, hey, Timothy, I need you to get circumcised. And Timothy said, right on. Whatever I got to do, I just want to serve. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? So he did it. Two epistles that Paul wrote are to Timothy. Six of the 13 books that Paul wrote are co-signed, co-authored by Timothy. That means Timothy was a part of six books in the Bible. Pretty amazing, no? Because Paul saw something in this young man, recognized the call, called him alongside. When the time came to plant Timothy, he planted him. He put him in a church, he became a pastor. And Paul continued to do his call. And Timothy continued to do his call. And everybody was still working to make that function. See, that's what the body is, guys. The body is not how do we come together and get something from church. The body is church is where I go so I can give something. What can I give of me? What can I give of me? I don't care if you ever give a nickel. I want you. I want your blood and sweat and tears. I want your effort. I want your abilities. I want those things poured in through the body to affect our community to change this. Folks, if things are going to happen here, if something's going to happen in Buell, if revival's going to come, it's not going to be because I preached some incredible message and everybody went, Whoa! and got saved. Isn't that how it works? Revival happens when every one of us go out there and we find someone walking on the road and we minister to them and we talk to them and we bring them to church and we begin to pour into them and their lives change. And then they affect other people and they affect other people. That's revival. I'm not interested in a big show. I'm not interested in any of that other stuff. I want to see changed lives for Jesus Christ. That happens when you and I decide we're going to be a part of it. Maybe you don't know what your part's going to be. What's my part going to be? What am I going to do? I feel just like that sometimes. <laughs> what's, my part going to, what's my part going to be? Well... There was this guy, Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a king in Israel. He was a king for a good long time. was a good king. He got sick toward the end of his life. And as he was sick, he sent for the prophet. And the, they would do that in those days to hear, am I going to get better or not? And the prophet came and he said, Hezekiah, the sickness that you have is unto death. You're going to die. Well, that's kind of a drag, you know. Bummer news. So Hezekiah rolls over in his bed. He doesn't make no big deal. He doesn't carry on and do... All he does is he rolls over and he says, Lord, I have been faithful to you. And he wept. And the prophet left that room and he walked out. And as he walked away, he didn't even get to the outer room. So that would be the foyer. He gets to the outer room. He gets to the outer room and God says to him, Go back in there and tell Hezekiah, I heard him. And I'll give him ten more years. So he goes back in. Now people bust Hezekiah's chops all the time because he prayed for more time. Which one of us doesn't pray for more time? 
You come to the end, everybody has the same prayer. Little more time. Little more time. So the Lord gave him a little more time. What did he do with it? He started copying the Bible. He started writing the Bible. Still today, some of the ancient manuscripts found in Hebrew are attributed to Hezekiah. The reason we have that manuscript is because Hezekiah had 10 more years. Because he wrote in it. But he fathered a son, and the son was a piece of work. His name was Manasseh. Evil, evil, evil dude. But at the end of Manasseh's reign, after Hezekiah dies, at the end of Manasseh's reign, Manasseh, maybe from those scrolls that his father wrote, decided to repent and come to the Lord. And God forgive him. Because that's what God does. But the damage was done, and there was a series of kings, bad king, bad king, bad king, following in Manasseh's footsteps. And then we come to this guy, Josiah, and Josiah's thinking something's wrong, and the things need to change. And some guy's poking around in the, in, the, in the temple, and he finds a scroll, probably written by Hezekiah, many years before, that was a Bible. They had lost the Bible. They didn't even have one, a copy. Nobody had them in their house. The scroll was in the temple. They opened it up and read it to Josiah. His great-great-great-grandkid reads a, a, a scroll from, from Hezekiah. Oh my gosh, we're all messed up. A revival breaks out. He starts to tear down the altars and change things. And, and he reigns for 31 years. In 31 years, everything's changing. Life is getting crazy. God's doing amazing things. But Josiah's time comes to an end just like everybody else's does. And his son reigns for three months. And revival stops. Why? He was evil. So are you. Do you ever think about that? Do you really think if God wrote your name in the Bible, it would not say, it would say under your name, oh, they're pretty good. He was evil, but how much evil can you really do in three months? Even if you're hog wild. Compared to Manasseh, not so much. What did he do? This is what he did. Nothing. That's how revival stops. People do nothing. They come, get fed, get filled, and don't do anything with it. Salvation is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift to Him. Timothy wanted to be a part. Mark wanted to be a part. By the way, he wrote the Gospel of Mark, so turns out he's a pretty good guy. Barnabas wanted to be a part. Paul wanted to be a part. Silas wanted to be a part. Folks, that's how revival happens. That's how lives change. Do you want to be a part? Do you want to be a part? Look, if you're waiting for the time when life's not going to be busy, sorry, it never happens. If you're waiting for a time when all your financial planets are going to be in line, that never happens either. Just give yourself to the Lord. You'd be amazed what He can do. Huh, Chris? Wasn't that long ago Chris joins RFC, Racers for Christ. He's scared to death. Yeah, I remember him saying, I don't, don't make me pray. I don't want to pray. I just stand here and look pretty. But he's been, he's been a Timothy. He's been a Timothy. And we got men in Racer for Christ pouring into him. And now he's a chaplain at a track. 
Praise God, man. That's awesome. That's things happening. What happened so that would happen? The planets all aligned. Somebody gave him a lot of money. No. All that happened is he said, I'm available to do. That's what God wants of us. That's what he wants of us this morning. This morning we have an opportunity to come before the Lord's table and celebrate the Lord's Supper. The Bible says before you partake of the Lord's Supper, you're to look at yourself. You're to say, Lord, where am I off track? Where am I sideways? And allow God, repent, and allow God to make you straight. doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It just means you got to look and say, I want to be on track with you, Lord. That's the value of the Lord's Supper. See, a lot of people see the Lord's Supper and say, I'm not going to take it. Wouldn't it be a lot easier just to say, Lord, my life is sideways. Forgive me. Help me get straight with you. I want to partake of the Lord's Supper. I want to remember your body and blood. That's a lot better way. I'm going to have Jeff come on up and, and he's going to minister. And the way, we do, uh, the way we do communion is pretty simple. While he's ministering, as the Spirit moves, as your heart is in a good place, I want to have elders and so forth come up and be available for prayer up front. As the Lord ministers to you, I want to invite you to come up and take. But as you do and as you come and as you call on the Lord to say, Lord, look at my life and as you do those things and as you prepare your heart for those things, I want, you to, I want to ask you to do this. I want you to ask Him. I want you to pray and ask Him. Where am I called? What do you want me to do? Poets? Sweep? Clean? Kids? Young adults? Find a Timothy? What do you want me to do? How can I be a part? Where do I fit in the body? And pray. God will tell you. He will show you. The psalmist declared that if you delight yourself in the law of the Lord, He will give you the desires of your heart. That means He'll tell you what they are. He'll tell you who you are. Where you fit. Then there ain't nothing left to it but to do it. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, as we come before you this morning, give you thanks for the word, give you thanks for those things that were shared today. God, I just pray that you pour out your spirit in this place, Lord God. If there's anybody here who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, doesn't understand the things that we've been talking about, well, in order to be properly used of the Lord and prepared for the Lord's Supper, I've got I to gotta be a believer. I've got to be someone who's committed my life to Christ. If that's you this morning, if that's where you're at, and you'd like to commit your life to Christ, I just want to give you an opportunity. My heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The Lord's stirring in your heart. You want to say, here I am. You have opportunity to lift up your hand. God sees it. You have an opportunity to pray a prayer. God hears it. 
There'll also be prayer counselors available up front. You want to come talk to somebody, come talk to me. There'll be somebody to talk to you. Lord, as we just seek you, as we want you to move in this place and move in our hearts, we ask, Lord God, that you would, if there be any wicked way in us, cleanse it. Help us to be found right with you and right place with you. That we might celebrate your body broken for me. That you said, this is the representation of the bread. My body broken for you. Take and eat to do this as you remember me. The cup is your blood. The blood that was shed for my sins. And you said, come, take, drink. Do this as you remember me. God, as we remember what you've done for us, may we be willing to give the gift of our lives back to you. We just ask that you administer to us in this moment as we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.